0: Welcome to So Tell Me More, a podcast where you can join Prabnor and Navya, two psychotherapy students as they dive into various topics through a psychotherapy lens. This podcast will get you thinking and reflecting on all things mental health, ranging from self-care to learning more about what exactly cognitive behavioral therapy is. We hope you stick around. In today's
1: episode, we are excited to welcome Tharnjot Delon, who will join us in our discussion about body image. Tharnjot is currently pursuing her PhD in behavioral and population health in applied health sciences at Brock University in Ontario, Canada. She has completed her undergraduate studies in Kinesiology and a Master's in Applied Health Sciences. Theranjoth is interested in qualitative research, knowledge translation, and body image in South Asian women, and she hopes to expand on the body image literature and work in academia as a professor. Additionally, Theranjoth also has an interest in community outreach, such as working with organizations that focus on marginalized populations and gender-based violence prevention. Welcome Taranjot, how
2: are you today? I'm good, just living life during these COVID times.
0: Yeah, we're really excited to dive into this topic of body image. It's something that Prabhnoor and I have encountered a little bit during our work uh, in the master's program, but definitely something that we're so interested in learning a lot more about, especially in terms of your research side of things. So we just want to start off by sharing a couple of definitions that we came across of body image. That being said, there are many out there, and I'm sure like different professionals also use different definitions that speak to them. The first one that we found by the National Eating Disorders Association is that body image is how you see yourself when you look in the mirror or when you picture yourself in your mind. So this encompasses what you believe about your own appearance including things like memories, assumptions, and generalizations. It can also include areas like how you feel about your body, including your height, shape, and weight, as well as how you sense and control your body as you move. And then lastly, they mention how you physically experience or feel in your body itself. So as you can tell, lots of different components that really go into this definition of body image, um, according to that one source. And then the second one that we came across was by Psychology Today. And they define body image as the mental representation of an individual that they create of themselves. And it may or may not bear any relationship to how they actually appear. And so body image is subject to all kinds of distortions in terms of attitudes from childhood and early experiences, from close friends and family like your parents, as well as internal elements like emotions or mood. So with we're wondering, what is your definition of body image, and how do you look at that concept in your research?
2: Yeah, no, that's a great question, and I honestly just love those definitions. It's it's gone from, it's not as superficial as someone sees body image because for me is or just in general when you think about body image, um, the first thoughts are appearance. Yeah. How do I look? How does my body look? But for me personally, is I kind of go off of both these definitions is, is beyond that appearance and what I look like to others is more so how I feel in my own body. Am I comfortable in my own skin? How do I feel in my clothes? Um, You know, it's not, it's not how I fit in those clothes is how do I feel wearing those clothes? So in terms of perceptions, just again, like not just focusing on how I feel and, and, the clothing that I wear and what I look like but also looking at eating habits and physical activity there's so many other aspects of body image like I mean we just the definitions you just touched up on and what I've mentioned it's like body image and then we talked about like at least 10 different other subjects and it just goes from one small entity to this huge massive universe that we all have to navigate and you know we'll notice like and even we'll touch upon it in a bit that all these things are so interconnected when it comes to body image. And body image is forgotten. Like a lot of people don't think about it. It's physical activity, eating, of course, those are so important. You know, what we do for our mental health, making sure we're self-care. But body image has a huge role in that, a huge part.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Body image is so much more nuanced than just what it sounds like. And there's so many different aspects to it. And we'd love to hear more about what that entails, But I'm curious to know what actually encouraged you to pursue this research or what got you into this field of study?
2: Yeah, it's such a it's such a weird story, to be honest. Um, Like even I sometimes kind of go like, I don't even know how I got to this point. Like I wanted to be I honestly wanted to be a doctor. For sure i'm a different i'm going to be a different kind of doctor not a medical doctor but um i took a second year course on health behaviors and we touched up on and i'm sure everyone's taken some sort of if they've done some sort of science or social science course um they talked about body image and different ethnicities um and they they weren't really touching up on south asian women or minority populations or marginalized communities But that's kind of where the interest that piqued my interest in terms of body image. And then the supervisor was teaching that, my supervisor was teaching that course, connected with her. And then I was like, you know what, I want to pursue that. Like, that's her research interest. Um, And then from there, for my master's and my PhD, kind of looking at what was being missed in the literature. And I noticed that we don't see South Asian, the South Asian community represented in the literature. And. We'll talk about this for sure. And you know, there's so many South Asian women, girls, men, boys that, you know, they face all these stigmas when it comes to their body, Um, whether it's the perceptions from others, the comments from others, how they feel. There's just so much that hasn't been touched or talked about that, like, there's that gap there. It's a huge knowledge gap.
0: Yeah, and I think that's something similar between the three of us is us ending up in sort of the fields that we're in by noticing these gaps that exist and wanting to be a part of at least starting to fill some of those gaps, right? We obviously can't do it all ourselves, but even just learning more about the topic, even just having these kinds of conversations with people can get that gap starting to uh, shorten a little bit or shrink a little bit. And I think it's such important work that you do absolutely yeah and I think that's something that I've
1: noticed overall even thinking about like the research within psychotherapy the research on marginalized populations or different you know minority groups it's just very sparse if any and if it is it's by that same author that's just like really striving to get the research out there so you'll have you'll have very limited knowledge in that area and I think it's starting starting to improve but definitely a lot more work needs to be done in that area
2: yeah, I completely agree. Um, just going to kind of go into this, but because just because you mentioned psychotherapy, but in terms of there's been a lot of publications for call to action from researchers like Neha Goel just released, I want to say 2021 or 2022, actually might be 2022. And she her focus is on eating disorders in racial, racialized, um, but more so like South Asian populations. So she released this article with a couple other authors about equality and going from equality to equity is, yes, there is that there's so much out there for eating disorders, But a lot of the eating disorder literature and the interventions were implicitly created for white populations or white women.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So and again, that's that's totally okay. The whole point of interventions are, You've got a goal of focus, objectives on a certain population. That's totally fine. But the issue is when you're trying to take that intervention and apply it to another population that may have different cultural norms or beliefs or perceptions, it may not come across as effective. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's really being missed in the literature. And again, that article, they speak about it and just kind of going, we need more researchers that are of different non-white ethnic populations that are researchers and then from there having or recruiting participants of those other ethnic populations. Cause you can get any Caucasian researcher to study any marginalized population, but if they don't have that insider perspective, they might be missing those cultural norms. Like we know as South Asian women that, okay, there's a couple of cultural norms that we have that are might be a little bit weird for other people or you know a little you know you make your eyes pop out of your head but again it's a cultural norm that we put up with you know it's like okay yeah like but it's it's something that we do like we understand that
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely I think the key there is we need to recognize the context right the context in which these behaviors are learned or these kinds of attitudes come up and it's you're right it's really hard to understand them if you haven't lived through them or even had extensive experience with them. And so uh, even in terms of comfort, I would just imagine like if I were say, talking to a South Asian woman about body image, I may have a different level of comfort sharing my own experiences, maybe as a participant, compared to someone else just thinking that maybe they don't get it the same way that someone else would. So I think that is such a key point, for sure.
2: No, I love that point. Um, Sorry, I just wanted to add to that. Because I mean, like we're talking about it now, like a lot of I think body image concerns stem from food in the community. And we know as food for, as a South Asian um, woman, we know that, you know, when someone comes over to your house, you're feeding them. Like, doesn't matter in what way, like, that's like, that's, that's comfort. That's, you know, bring uh, welcoming someone into your home. But at the same time, you'll hear comments of, you know, like, that's a lot on your plate or you should put more on your plate. And that's technically, you're not being explicit, but you're implicitly implying that there is some sort of potential weight issue with that person. Mm -hmm. Like if you say, oh, that's quite a lot on your plate, you know, maybe take it slow. Is, you know, that might be a bit of, you know, weight shaming or, you know, fat shaming. Whereas if someone's not eating as much, they get a, oh, like you're going to be too thin. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't need to be that way. But again, it's that implication of, food where it's, it's welcoming and it's comfort food, but at the same time, there's that negative or that stigma with food when it comes to other individuals.
1: I I hear that so often where it's like, you know what? Oh my God. And it's like, it's almost, I think it comes back to that cultural piece where if you don't have enough food on your plate, it's like, it's almost uh, disrespectful that you're not eating. But then if you have too much, you have these other comments. So I think it's so, it's so much more complicated and nuanced than just, you know, oh, we're having a meal at someone else's house because we're there to, to see them. So, I'm wondering with that, Theranjot, is there more to body image in terms of like how people perceive it or like this positive image versus a negative body image? Could you tell us a bit more about that?
2: Yeah, of course. So body image research started from the negative aspect. So what is negative body image? So that's discontent with the body overall. So that's appearance, function, how you perceive it. Um, and that kind of leads to negative health behaviors and outcomes. So health behaviors as in um, dieting, so yo-yo dieting. Um, you've got other health conditions, bulimia, anorexia, that comes from there as well. Again, that psychological link. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other psychological outcomes are depression, and anxiety. So body image was very much stemmed in that. It was just that focus of what causes individuals to feel this way what are some of the outcomes and what continuously or what continues that cycle of negative feelings. So again, that yo-yo dieting or those weight concerns that up and down weight gain. So that's the negative aspect. Something like, I don't consider this newer um, anymore just because it's, it's now been, I want to say over 10 years of this concept. So positive body image is just overall love and respect for the body. So again, love and respect with your appearance, your function, and just not necessarily, and you don't wanna be, like you're not necessarily fixating on any flaws. You're just accepting it that, you know what, this is who I am, you're accepting and loving of that, that you know what, I'm cherishing my body, I'm doing health practices, so intuitive eating, so eating when you need to eat, exercising when you need to exercise, self-care, taking some time off, and that is supposed to, potential outcomes are, self-worth, self-esteem, you know confidence in yourself like those are kind of the two spectrums that they have and it's something to acknowledge is they're not you can't necessarily go have more negative versus less positive you can have both at the same time it can be considered neutral body image that's something that's also coming across is you know you have might feel you know great one day but at the same time something someone might say a comment to you and all of a sudden, you're like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have worn this shirt, or you know, I maybe shouldn't have eaten that extra donut or something. Like, you'll you you can have both feelings all at the same time. Like, it's not one or the other. Where you can have one more versus the other less.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. So, would you would you say it's kind of like two different spectrums then? So, a negative body image and then yeah. a positive, but bo- yeah,
2: okay. yeah, exactly. And you can be at, you know right dead set in the middle in terms of negative and then a little bit closer let's say like let's say it's a degree from one to ten you're five at negative and then you could be at seven for positive like you just don't it's not something that's like you know what if you've got more negative body image you have no positive that's not necessarily true you can have both
0: okay yeah and it sounds like that shift to learning more about positive body image is so important right because it's one thing to look at those mental health concerns that can come up and and the way that we see our body in those negative ways but very much another situation another even concern of are we able to accept our bodies and what does that look like and how even as a society we can support people in more positive body image because you're right like even one comment can push you 10 steps behind as you're starting to make progress towards positive body image right so it's so hard yeah i'm just just thinking about how difficult it is when you're surrounded by factors that are not in your control that are still influencing how you feel about
2: yourself Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the the major issue is just you have all these things in the media that's always are even if it's not explicitly promoting negative body image. But you always get like those targeted ads where, you know, there's like a certain model type that's new or there's some sort of new trend in terms of makeup or beauty. And a lot of individuals or influencers that use that makeup, it's kind of like, okay, how can I look that way? Can I do the same thing? When you can't, you again, you feel that negative feeling of, you know, I I can't look the same way, my appearance isn't as great. So it's kind of with that positive aspect is what can we do? What can we change in the media or what can we change in ourselves and how others perceive body image to make it more positive for others, you know, rather than let's change the negative is more so how can we promote the positive?
1: Yeah, I think that's just a great stance to have to really try to raise even the awareness on what positive body image can look like. Because what we see is that with this negative body image, it can ultimately lead to various eating disorders. And I know you briefly touched on this a moment ago, but it's that idea that it's it can, it can be really detrimental to one's not only health, but also their mental health and well-being and overall how that impacts people. And it can just start off with this one comment but noticing how so many little girls look up to other people and look up to models and really they can it can really shape and define their views of body image and their views of themselves and what they ultimately end up doing and that can be very very hard to work through especially at an impressionable age
2: yeah for sure like there's I mean, there's so much out there in terms of eating disorders and even body dysmorphia, which again is like mental health, so that you're always fixating um, on your flaws. And that for a lot of individuals, and I'm sure the two of you can really speak more so on the CBT and the medications of, you know, treating these conditions is just when you have eating disorders and body dysmorphia, um, like it, you no longer want to leave your home like it makes living life so so difficult and it's like what can you do to change that and a lot of individuals struggle with that it's like you're having a good day one day but all of a sudden your picture or you see yourself in the mirror and something it just all of a sudden there's a click and it's like no i'm not good enough so it's like how do you change that perspective when it's not just about you know just change your attitude like you can't just say that to someone or just change the way you eat. No, like sometimes you need a bit of support from other from other factors, other facilities. And it's like, how do you do that? And I know like CBT is super popular. Maybe you can more so speak on that and what that looks like. Um, but I just know those are kind of the two that are between those two conditions that CBT is like the go-to in terms of treating that.
0: Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense, right? This idea that sometimes we we start to think that we're making some progress and then there you go like there's there's a trigger or something that really pushes us back and um, i guess in cbt something that we look at are our thoughts right those cognitions and how those can impact a lot of different areas as well as our behavior so you know even a, a stickier thought like i'm not good enough or i'm unlovable can really start to get fueled by other thoughts that we might have about our body and then as a result might influence our behavior so we might withdraw we might avoid people that are actually more positive reinforcements in our life and through that we may get stuck in a cycle of avoiding and of withdrawing and then not actually getting out of that cycle and so I think that's where the CBT can be helpful is let's start to break that cycle let's start to put things down on paper, in worksheets, whatever works for you to actually see like what's happening here because otherwise it can be so convoluted when you're in that moment to recognize, oh yeah, that's the thought that led to my mood dropping. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think a great organization, uh, Body Brave, is based in Hamilton. They offer a lot of workshops and even group therapy treatments where you can learn more about well, what is you know, what is body image or what do eating disorders look like and how can I seek that help? And the thing that you mentioned there, they do do like a combination in some of their treatments. They have this combination uh, therapy that includes something called dialectical behavior therapy, DBT, and cognitive behavior therapy, so CBT. So, it is combined efforts of those two. And really, like you mentioned as well, Navia, this idea that they're looking at different aspects and bringing in maybe some mindfulness, maybe some self compassion in there, looking at ways that they can challenge some of those automatic thoughts that are coming up that are unhelpful about their own body image or, you know, just eating disorders generally, and breaking that down in different strategies and skills that they can use to then start to. I guess, engage in more positive interactions or have this more balanced way of thinking about their own body and the way they're experiencing stuff.
2: Yeah, and I honestly, I love that. I just think that's amazing that they're doing like different treatment options for individuals, whether it's just one or or a combination of them. Because again, every individual is super unique. Everyone's got their own experiences. So, you know, not one method is not going to work for you know everyone and I think that's so important is you know taking that into consideration is everyone's has gone through as potentially tried other options so it's something to look for and you know speak to the individual of what's working for you what can we I guess gap or bridge that's not working um, and how can we help and I think that's so important
1: Yeah. And I know that, I know we're talking about eating disorders, but really body image and our views of it can also impact other, other areas as well. So just noticing how it can contribute to your depression it can contribute to your anxiety and other things as well that might not be only limited to eating disorders and how sometimes it can feed into that negative cycle that can be hard to get away from. It really is like you're going down this rabbit hole. So being able to bring in strategies or skills that can be helpful in challenging some of those thoughts or challenging some of those behaviors to engage in more positive interactions can be so helpful. So I'm wondering, Dhanjot, with that, I know that you have a focus on the South Asian population. Could you tell us a bit more about your research in that area?
2: Yeah, I'd love to. (laughs) I love talking about my research. I think I drive everyone crazy about it. Um, So yeah, so I'll kind of go from my master's um, and then I'll stem right into my my dissertation, my PhD um, research focus. So my master's focused on South Asian, Canadian South Asian women and body image and also looked at menopause to see whether or not there was was it you know menopause influencer affected body image or vice versa or is it both together affecting South Asian women Um, and from that we found totally mixed and super unique results of um, there were cultural concerns ethnicity played a role ethnicity has been seen as a protective measure against body or negative body image but From the results that I had found, it seemed to be supplementary that it could further contribute to more negative body image. And so what I wanted to do was just because it was such a small group of individuals, I wanted to kind of expand the research and kind of go, okay, let's start from a younger population that, you know, as younger, younger individuals were more influenced by, you know, the Western culture, the Western ideals. The mainstream media. So why don't we start young, so that way we can change the perceptions as we're young, uh, as young children or younger adults, um, and kind of hope for a better outlook on our body image as we get older. So now what I want to do is look at just South Asian women, looking at their body image, and see what's what's out there in terms of literature, what's out there in terms of research, and what that knowledge gap is like, and. I'm doing a scoping review right now and what I've noticed is again, one, not a lot in Canada that we focus on South Asian women. Um, I think there's a couple of older studies. So again, I don't want to miss because I just don't remember anything from 2015 to more recently, especially in the Canadian context, but a lot of the older um, studies look at negative body image, negative perceptions. And what's missing is one, the literature has had a tough time separating or just focusing on the South Asian population. It often gets merged with all together with East Asian individuals. And again, Eastern Asian perceptions of body image are much different from South Asian body images. So they really generalize it. So it, it's, it's hard to differentiate. And then what I've also noticed is there just isn't much out there that just focuses on the South Asian community. Like there isn't, Anything that looks on looks at culture does a culture culturation, So that's how one identifies with the dominant culture. So whether or not you're more Westernized, I want to say, versus you're, you're still able to upkeep what you're doing as a South with the South Asian culture. So there's a couple of things that are missing there that are important in the South Asian community. So like I said, culture, don't want to repeat about culture, religion, family is huge in our community. And those factors, they are not looked at, you know, individually in a smaller scope, but they're not as emphasized. And I think those aspects need to be like when it comes to our community, there's so many things that the literature is missing the mark on. And we as a society or as a community is missing the mark on because we're not focusing on mediating those concerns or those issues that are still that still exist today
0: yeah I agree for sure. And this idea that even anecdotally, we recognize that family and culture play such a big role. and so it's starting to fill that gap in terms of, yes, we have that experience anecdotally, but we want to see that in the research. We want to see like more evidence of where that's coming from and more um, investigation in that area because as we know, being in like healthcare fields or, or related fields is that the research really does fund support systems Mm -hmm. and support groups and things that we can offer in the community. And so if we're not seeing any research on these areas or very limited research, well, no wonder, right, even our services that are being offered aren't geared towards South Asian populations. And the way I think of that match that, that you mentioned earlier, Taranjot, about we have these like fixed protocols or interventions that we use, and we're trying to use that cookie cutter with different like areas and groups, but they just don't match and they don't fit. So it's like trying to fit a jigsaw piece in a place it's not meant to be meant to be put in. Right. And so, yeah, like no wonder outcomes may not be as good and may not really be all that helpful because we're missing the mark and we may not actually be getting to the foundations of that cultural influence. So I think I mean, it's amazing that you're doing this work in an area that absolutely needs it. And um, i looking forward to what your research yields as well.
2: Yeah, no, thank you. Like, I think you made a great point with that jigsaw puzzle comment. Like, that's exactly what it is. That they're, they're, Like, don't get me wrong. There are researchers that do look at South Asian populations in Canada. But again, a lot of their future directions or comments that they've had is we need a more focused or South Asian specific intervention or program. And so it's a little frustrating when it's they've got this amazing study ready to go and they've got such a great population to work with but they don't they don't add they don't specify in their program or in their intervention that would fit the narrative or would fit the community so it's kind of personally to me it's kind of like why bother then? why run the program and then you know looking at a diverse population knowing that you know there's been years of research saying we need to have more culture specific research done And just ignore that and then run a study and then go, yeah, we probably should have done that.
1: It almost feels like very, you know, counterproductive in that manner of, well, you know, we were saying we need to do X, but we're doing Z instead. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, and, and that point of, you know, we need that research there to really then fund these programs that are clearly very essential and necessary in that community, because if we don't have the appropriate research there, we might not even know exactly what avenue to further pursue. Doing these qualitative studies, like you're you're pursuing, Taranjot, you actually get to talk to people and ask them, well, what can we do to help? What would be fitting for you? And from that conversation, learn and pull in these themes that we can then actually create possibly programs or lead educational campaigns, or whatever it is that works for the community, that's the avenue we should be pursuing or we hope to pursue.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, I, like I'm like i a qualitative researcher, but I'm moving towards mixed methods. Um, but just like you mentioned with funding, it's if there isn't evidence of a need for something, it's not gonna get funded. So we can argue until, I don't know, the cows come home and be like, you know, we need funding here it's, you know, we need it for South Asian women, we need it for the South Asian community, and you have no evidence to back that up, you're not going to get the funding. And the only way to do that, it's it's almost like a vicious cycle that just cancels itself out. It's to do that, to get that funding, you need proof, but to get the proof, you need funding. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do you navigate that? How do you navigate systems? And that's kind of one of the tougher things that we have to overcome. And again, one of the great ways to do that is community-based research. So talking to the public, working with the public, and say, okay, look, this is an idea that I have. You are the research interest, the population of interest. Let's work together and find something or find you know, intervention into programs, educational resources that we can create together as a community to for the betterment of others. That's the only way I think right now as an exploratory avenue is working with the public um, and then finding ways to push that program into the public because once you've got that in the public domain there is going to be an ask for funding there's going to be an ask for more focus that okay we're seeing this there's the eating disorders there's the potential body dysmorphia um, there are negative health outcomes that we need to worry about as a community and we've known that for years but there are such weight concerns and that can lead to diabetes, cardiovascular disease, like there's such health outcomes that, you know, that aren't necessarily focused or geared towards the South Asian population. Like, we know there is that heart condition for our community. And that the healthcare workers are now, you know, they do speak to South Asian populations about it. But again, where does that stem from? Like, is it genetics? Is it just, you know, we're lacking that control for eating and how we view ourselves, like what's causing that initial weight gain, um, weight concerns, that weight fluctuation, that potentially leads to that, like what's going on there? We're missing that. I don't know, like twenty to thirty-year gap of you know what can we do from when you're a child to when you first get diagnosed with diabetes? Like what can we do to change that?
0: Yeah, and that early intervention that you've mentioned a couple of times already is so key here, right? So whether it's exploring body image with a younger age group or even looking at like health outcomes earlier on and then how can we change that trajectory it's it's such a critical time to reflect on especially as children are learning their own cultural norms their own family rules whatever it might look like and starting to intervene early can help really shape their their body image the way that they see the world even and then how they interact with the world later on so like, yeah, Prabner and I have worked with older adults and then also have gotten a chance to work with younger adults. And I think just the difference in the experiences that they bring to the table, the kinds of con- concerns that they have in those different age populations is, is so important to have a sense of, even in this area of body image.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think everyone's, as you're older, I think you focus on research says, and it is it is, you do see that you tend to focus more so on function as you do get older, but at a younger population or as we're younger, we do focus on the appearance. What do we look like? But the issue is, does that become some sort of, are there negative outcomes of that? Do we fixate too much on our appearance, on our, you know, what we eat on what we do, what we exercise, that it, it can cause mental health concerns? Um, your avoidance is, you know, social avoidance, not seeing people. Or do you view your appearance and your body image in a positive way? Self-care, you take care of yourself.
1: Yeah, and, and talking about self-care and taking care of yourself overall, I, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on navigating that body image or that self-talk and how we're trying to change that conversation. What would you say the next avenue or the next steps are for us in that
2: in that area? I think destigmatizing body image i mean especially like if we're talking in the context of the south asian community let's say um just like i think if you go to up to anyone and go you know do you know about body image they probably won't like i remember when i was first telling like my family about it they were like isn't that just like appearance beauty it's like no there's so much more to it and again we've talked about it there's like that mental health aspect there's the feelings and um your beliefs your attitudes your perceptions that like, there's so much out there it's just really destigmatizing how we talk about weight, how we talk about appearance. Just because I think every comment someone makes is so backhanded. You know, it's, it'll be like, oh, that suit or whatever she's wearing is, looks a little tight on her today. And it's just like, not needed, but again, it's there. But if someone hears it, it's just, it can be super detrimental. So again, yeah, just destigmatizing the concepts of body image, mediating that negative body image talk. So again, rather than fixating on appearance and someone's eating habits, you know, asking them what they're doing at school. How's school going? How's work going? You know, rather than, you know, like you like, oh, you look great today. Like rather like let's move away from there's a lot of interventions that look at the body project talks about, you know, changing the conversation, like you had mentioned. Is just taking that, anything that you talk about in terms of body image and just changing it to something else. So if someone brings up like, oh, like, you know, have you lost some weight or, you know, like, and just kind of going, like, school's going well. Just completely change. I mean, as weird as that sounds, it's like, you know, like, it's just like you randomly start talking about school. It's just, it will throw them off and they'll ask you more questions about it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just changing the subject of, you know what, or even, I mean, I'm a little bit more upfront and I'll be like, you know what? I'd rather not talk about yeah. that or, you know what? I feel great. I'm doing great. That's, you know, just like don't even mention like, oh, yeah, I've like lost a couple pounds or, yeah, I've gained something. It's like, no, I feel great in my body. Um, like, I- I'm great. Like, how are you doing? You just completely change the narrative on them to just kind of go, okay, so that's probably not a topic I should talk about. And again, it's it depends on everyone's comfort is whether you're able to confront others about it. A lot of us might not want to. So that's why it's always, I like to do the whole, just change the conversation, just randomly just talk about something else. It is funny, but I, I do, I do encourage everyone to try that once or twice with someone and just see how it is. Like I have a great time doing that.
1: (laughs) I think it's so important because sometimes it's hard to be like, Oh, I'd rather not talk about it, but simply just redirecting that conversation. Even if it's just like, Oh, I'm feeling great. You know, how's work going? Or guess what? I got a new car i don't know anything right so just redirecting that conversation so i think even doing simple things like that might just show people at least in your inner circle and then hopefully beyond if everyone's doing this that you know it's okay we can have other things that we want to talk about or we don't always have to have this negative um, body image or i guess perception of how body image should be viewed and whatnot so it's it's simply just redirecting that conversation but it's not as simple, quote unquote, as it sounds, but I think that's a great start.
2: Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I think like, again, when you're talking to someone a little bit older, your parents, like you don't want to, you don't want to be rude. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I'd rather not asphyxiate on this. Like, let's talk about something else. Like, There's so many other things to talk about. And like, don't get me wrong. You're always, a lot, you can totally talk about your appearance, your weight and things like that. It's just how you talk about it. Is is there negative connotations around the way you talk about it? It's like, you know, like, let's say it's like, yeah, like, I look, someone says you look really great in that shirt, but it's like, yeah, like, I only wore it because it's loose and it won't show, like, my tummy rolls. Like, that's the negative, you're thinking about it in a negative way rather than Someone says, Yeah, you look great in a shirt. It's like, Oh, yeah, I just saw this that, like, it was on sale at, you know, Forever 21 or whatever. Like, that's completely different from the first, you know, comment that I made, the first little conversation versus, like, what I just said now. It's just, again, like, it just depends on how you talk about it.
0: Yeah. And I guess how it makes you feel. And then getting to sit with those emotions is probably the first step that, okay, the way that certain comments are delivered don't sit well with me and they're not helpful for me and my mood or my day. So let's stop those ones early on. And then maybe others are a little bit more productive. There's actually something that comes out of that discussion. And then
1: that's okay, right?
0: So yeah, definitely is very individual.
1: I want to say thank you so much, Therindra, for offering your insights on body image and also your research. It's some really exciting work that you're doing. And I think one that is extremely important, especially right now, as we're starting to learn more about South Asian populations and body image and really how culture plays a role in all of this. So we're really excited to see what your future looks like in terms of research and what outcomes you find. But thank you so much for taking out time from your day today to talk more about body image and sharing that knowledge with us.
2: Yeah, thank you. I had a pleasure. It's always fun to chat with both of you and like invite me back.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. We'll do a part two for the research recap and how that went for you.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, that's a good episode. (laughs) Thanks, you guys.
1: Yeah, we need to see. So this is part one of, you know, pre-publishing, post-publishing Dharanjot. What do we find? What is actually out there?
2: I love it.
0: (laughs) Stay tuned for sure. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today. Just as we end, we wanted to remind you that this information is meant to be purely educational, We are not health professionals, just graduate students navigating these topics with you. Any podcast content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We recommend that you always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding your mental health and well-being. We also wanted to share some resources with you. This includes Sheena's Place.
1: Sheena's Place offers group-based support for people age 17 and older, Affected by an eating disorder or disordered eating. They have professionally facilitated groups and are completely free of charge, and participants do not require an eating disorder diagnosis or referral to register. They're committed to inspiring hope, reducing stigma, raising awareness, and offering meaningful help and information at all stages of recovery. There's also Body Brave. They are leaders in driving change. They are a charity providing accessible eating disorder treatment and support, as well as advancing community training and education. Their mission includes recovery for everybody, which means a person centered approach, compassionate care for anyone struggling with or at risk of an eating disorder. There's also Mood Disorders Association of Ontario, Kids Help Phone, Good to Talk, Connects Ontario wellness together canada virtue mental and open path collective as some other resources but as always we encourage you to check out your own local resources and ask for that help if you
0: need it check out our instagram for future updates and it's also a great way to share what you're interested in hearing on our podcast or any feedback that you might have for us if you like what you hear please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast listening app Thank you so much for listening. We hope you learned something new or simply enjoyed our exploration
1: of body image. We're excited to continue exploring new topics in future episodes, but for now, stay safe and take care.